The general schedule of job classifications is in its eighth decade, and the jobs of today in the federal government scarcely resemble those of the 1950s. With the disappearance of the typist, so too has gone the job of the classifier. Joining me with commentary on this, former Homeland Security Chief Human Capital Officer Jeff Neal. And Jeff, when I saw the headline of your column, Where Have All the Classifiers Gone?, I thought you were talking about people that make things secret, but that's not what you meant at all. Uh, no, I was talking about position classification specialists, the, the, the people in HR who actually assign grade levels and, and job series to, to positions. And they've, they've kind of disappeared over the last 15 or 20 years. Because there are so many new jobs that did not exist. We, we've often spoken about how typists and clerks and typing pools and even federal employee cooks in the basement cafeterias have all disappeared. But there's so many new jobs spawned mostly by there the are. information age. Uh, there are new jobs, but surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, there aren't a lot of new job descriptions or a, new, a lot of new classification standards to cover those. You know, when you look at some of the, the jobs that are, are very common now, like jobs in information technology, uh, agencies are actually using... Uh, classification standards that are fairly old, and the entire classification process, of course, is a you know is a is a bureaucratic nightmare. I was looking when I was drafting this article. I was just looking at the classification standards to get a feel for how they're looking these days, and I noticed that the introduction to the classification standards. This is the introduction, mind you. This is not any of the classification standards. The introduction is over 70 pages long. Crazy. And yet, since there are no classifiers and there are so many jobs, then that means the new jobs are getting shoehorned into something they were never designed to really match up with. That's correct. Uh, and what you end up with is is you know, people are writing job descriptions. They're, they're actually not writing job descriptions the way they're supposed to. You know, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to say, okay, I need somebody to do basket weaving. So let me write down a description of the basket weaving duties I need. And then you give it to a classifier and they say, okay, the, you know, the duties you've des designed or you've laid out are equivalent to GS9 or GS12. What happens now is managers say, I want a GS12. And then they either use an automated tool or they sit down and look at old job descriptions or they talk to a classifier if they can find one and they back their way into a set of duties. So they say, I want a GS-12. What words do I have to put on paper to support that? And so they may very well be signing off on a job description, certifying that this legal document is accurate when all that's accurate is that it's the words that they have to say to get the grade level they want not that it's actually the list of duties being performed by the employee. Kind of a bogus process. Yeah, so if you have this bogus process, then what is the effect of it on the workforce and on job life in the federal government, do you think? Well, it can, it can have a number of effects. Number one is one of the things you hear about all the time is the, the pay comparability between the private sector and the federal government. And you've got people on the on the right saying that federal employees are overpaid by 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 percent, which is ludicrous. And then you've got people on the left, uh, mainly the unions saying saying, and the, the president's pay agent saying, 
your federal employees are underpaid by 27%, which is also ludicrous. The reality is when you've got so many jobs that are bogus classifications, nobody has a clue what pay comparability really is. You know, even if we had a, a comparability process that worked and we don't to be able to met to, to measure the, the federal pay versus private sector pay, it requires on accurate classification to be able to do it. And what we've got are, are classification levels that are just not realistic anymore. So we don't know how comparable federal pay is. And, and people keep on doing this because they, they need to compete for talent. And to compete for talent, they have to be able to pay people the right level. And then in the Washington, D.C. area, that basically means almost everybody is a 13, 14, or 15. Sure. We're speaking with Jeff Neal, Senior Vice President of ICF and former Homeland Security Chief Human Capital Officer. And this came to light recently, I think, when uh, ICF did that report, and I think you were part of that, on behalf of the uh, Transportation Security Administration, where one of the recommendations from ICF in how they can update their personnel policies for officers is don't go into the GS system, whatever you do, even though that's something the union members, I believe, suggest. Well, my my public testimony on that was pretty clear, and that's that the general schedule is an outdated system. It's 70 years old. It was designed at a time when more than 50% of federal employees were just fives and below. More than half of them, well over a million, were clerks. And now 100,000 are clerks, and the majority of federal employees are GS-12 and above, not GS-5 and below. And so the system was designed to work for a mid-century, a mid-20th century workforce that simply doesn't exist anymore. So the idea that any agency that has escaped from the general schedule would go back to it is a, you know, is a, it's just a, not a good idea. They should not be doing that. Um, I, I wouldn't recommend that any agency that's not covered by the general schedule subject themselves to, to that system. Uh, it's just not a good system. It doesn't work anymore. It's, it's People look at it and you know, some people will say, well, it's a fair system because it treats everybody the same. And I don't know if you can call it fair when you don't know if the pay is even remotely close to accurate or not. So there are fewer classifiers and the classifications themselves don't work anymore. Should what then happen? That doesn't mean it's I, – I don't get the sense you're saying well, add more classifiers back. No, I don't think adding a bunch of classifiers is the right idea. You know, ideally, we would have comprehensive civil service reform and we would design – a modern pay system that was market-based and allowed the federal government to compete for talent based on paying people market rates. So that would be the ideal solution. Uh, we know that that would take Congress and the White House working together on something, so we can forget about that idea. So the second idea is that the, the law that covers position classification is actually very brief. There are, are legal descriptions of the, the grade levels uh, in the law, and there aren't a whole lot of other things in the law. That gives OPM massive authority to, to make regulatory changes to simplify the job classification process. And they can do that without Congress saying anything. So that's something that is entirely within the control of OPM and the administration to make regulatory changes. It, there are 400 job series. 
they can change that to 50 you know, with a, a stroke of the pen. So there are lots of things they could do to simplify and update the classification processes uh, through regulatory action, not through Congress having to act, which we know is not likely to happen anyway. Jeff Neal is Senior Vice President at ICF and former Homeland Security Chief Human Capital Officer. As always, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. What will it take to conserve 10 billion acres of ocean, 1.6 billion acres of land, and over 600,000 miles of river? What will it take to protect and restore natural habitats in over 70 countries around the world and in all 50 states here at home? What will it take? You. Together, we will make it happen. It's in our nature. See how your gift can help at nature.org. The Nature Conservancy. Protecting nature. Preserving life.